Hey, it's Terry, and welcome to another episode of this podcast, the Animation Industry Podcast. Have you ever wanted to start your own animation business, perhaps go entirely freelance and work your way from there? Well, that is exactly what stop motion animator Coco Perry has done. She started off a few years back with freelance photography and quickly found that her stop motion skills were in high demand. And today she runs her own business, creating stop motion social media spots for brands like Califia Farms, Care Skincare and Expedia. But if you ask her what she really does, she'll say that she's just a self-proclaimed magician and that she likes to think that she's accomplished this through the use of stop motion. Now, in our chat, she shares the crazy experience that started her down this journey in the first place and all the ups and downs of trying to get her business running on her own. Plus, everything she's learned with getting brands as clients and her top tips to a successful stop-motion-based business. But before we jump in, I have a sponsored message to share with you, and it comes from my friends over at HUHD who offer an all-in-one starter kit for kids around 7 to 13 years old or really any beginner when it comes to animation. Their kit creates an easy and fun way to learn key animation techniques including claymation, lip syncing, and rotoscoping. And their kit includes a Hue HD camera with a bendy gooseneck, built-in microphone, and manual focus. It also includes their easy-to-use animation software which has some great features like onion skinning and time-lapse. And kids can even record their own voices to bring their animation to life. Also part of this kit is the Hue book of animation which takes you step-by-step -step through how to create your own stop-motion videos and learn the principles of animation like squash and stretch. Plus, you can download free sound effects, a storyboard template, and backgrounds to give your videos some added magic right off their website. And if you want more info about this kit, you can check it out at the Hue HD website or order one off Amazon. And I've included links to both of these in the description of this chat. Now, one more thing, Hue has created a free little download package for any listener of this podcast. They've included a storyboard template, a sample background for your next claymation, a short instructional video of how to squash and stretch a simple character with clay to make it bounce, and even a super cute printable fenakistoscope of a rat going into a hole. And a fenakistoscope, if you're not aware, is one of those circle things with slits in it that when you put it on a stick and spit it in a mirror, you can see the animation come to life. So if you know someone interested in trying out stop motion for the first time or you want to yourself, definitely check out this free download package. The link is in the description of this podcast. Now let's jump right into the chat. Hi Coco, how's it going over there? <laughs> Good. I am just coming off of teaching at Adobe Max yesterday. So I'm feeling all the like overwhelm and joy from getting to teach stop motion and getting connected to more people in this community. So this is like perfect timing to be chatting with you too. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And I've seen you post that on on Instagram. Um, how did how did that happen? Did they get in touch with you? Did you reach out to them? So apparently, I taught a workshop at Sony's condo event last August. And apparently someone who works at Adobe was in the back of my classroom and I had no idea. And so when they needed more people on their photography and social media track, they reached out and I was shocked. I was like, how did you, how did you find me? And I'm glad I didn't know, because I think if I had known they were in the room at that workshop, I would have been way more nervous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I guess so. That's really incredible though. It's like, you never know who's who's in the room. It's almost like sometimes, you know, especially on social media, you're everybody's so concerned, myself included, about how many followers you have versus like who's that one person who could be, you know, following you or in the room or whatever that could lead you to an opportunity. That's really cool. Totally. There were like 12 people in my class. <laughs> oh my gosh. So how how's um how's the teaching going now with Adobe? It's good. I I guess I've come a long way since that workshop um and then i taught at alt summit which was an in-person workshop in february of this year and then adobe max i thought i was going to be doing in person as well but it was super cool that they did it online and put it out there totally free because i think even they were surprised by how much more um reach that they got with it yeah so it was a really cool experience and I was not expecting that many people to be there. So it was really cool. How many, how many people were there? If you can say. I don't know how many people at the whole conference, but my session had 25,000 people enrolled. Oh my gosh. Which 
blows my mind because I didn't even know there were like that many other people interested in stop motion or learning what I was teaching. So I'm sure not everybody enrolled actually shows up, but there, I think they said maybe 400,000 people at the whole conference or something crazy like that. Oh my goodness. That is incredible. Did, did you get like a huge boost in, in like following afterwards and whatnot or yeah. Yeah. I got a few thousand followers and my, Instagram DMs, like my requests folder says 99 plus, like it's maxed out. And it's never said that before. I'm sure for like celebrities and people with a ton of followers, that's normal for them. But for me, it's not at all. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get back to every single person and it's going to take me a long time, but it's really exciting. <laughs> I had like, I had like five requests and I just finally followed up with them today. So like, I know they get lost. That's like, well, you are you are a Stamo celebrity now, basically. You know. No. <laughs> so, well, let's talk about that because you know it seems like you're on fire recently with all these like you're teaching courses and your Instagram blowing up and everything. So you you run a stop motion kind of business. Can you tell me more about that? Because you're self made and you're kind of like a, a single woman show, really. Yeah. So I. Basically my business is creating short form stop motion videos for brands to use on social media and on their websites, e-commerce, sometimes broadcast. Um, but really it's short form ads. That is my main focus. And I wouldn't say I'm like a one woman show. I definitely started like that, but now I hire lots of support, whether it's, I actually have a full-time creative producer, but then I also have people helping on the business management side of things. And then I'll hire like set designers and retouchers and that kind of stuff on a project basis. But I'm definitely running my own company, I guess, which I never expected or wanted to do. Um, so it's it's been, kind of a spontaneous journey, but I'm really happy that I'm doing it. Did you say you employ somebody full-time? Yeah, I That's do. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's just, um, it's, it, I haven't, it, I guess it was like the first, mm, I think it took me two or three years before that. And it was once I got into the Sony Alpha female program, the whole purpose of that program is to help you get out of whatever situation you may feel stuck in or help like remove any blocks in the road for you. So for me, that was, I'm doing this alone and I feel like I need support. And so that grant was able to allow me to bring somebody on and um, have like the financial stability to do that. Amazing. I want to chat all about your kind of journey into this because I think it's I think it's super inspirational. But first, you know, I want to talk more about your business and what you do. So you do short form advertisements, mainly in stop motion for for brands. So like what does a typical kind of project look like? So they're all very different, which is fun. No two projects are exactly the same, but I would say the most common example of a project would be like a consumer packaged good let's say a soda company comes to me and says we really need content that we can use on our social channels and that we can put money behind that will drive sales or that will get people to follow us or whatever their goal may be and so the videos are usually really short and engaging um they sometimes have like a call to action at the end and are more of a traditional advertisement, but really they're more just like social media content that a brand is outsourcing and hiring me to create. And usually they're vertical assets that are really just social first, whether it's like Instagram or Instagram stories. And then sometimes we'll make a second cut that's for like their website or something for YouTube but mostly I'm working in the social media space. So short, uh, like 10 seconds. Like I've seen a bunch yeah. of work, obviously it's like super colorful. It's really like you, you really focus on the product or what's that, what's that hand, like everything. There's no other noise. And, and like 
frames per second. It's it's like not it's not Leica and it's not it's like something. Uh, well, I, I I should let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the videos are usually between five and fifteen seconds, gotcha. but they loop usually, so yeah. they kind of just continue on forever. And yeah, I usually shoot about twelve frames per second. So. Um, but it really depends on the project and some clients, I think they like that 12 frames per second feel, but sometimes they want it super smooth. So I'm always happy to play around with whatever makes sense for the concept. But I would say usually it's like a really kind of short, quick, fun, engaging video. Are you, I'm just curious. Cause like from my past business slash marketing experience, I was on the other side of, of, uh, you know, writing the creative briefs for the agencies and whatnot. And like a huge metric that we would track was engagement or like all those metrics. Are you tracking those as well? Or do you get them to follow up with you and say like, this post was super engaging versus this other post, like more people clicked on this one. Do you, do you take that into consideration when you're creating uh, or, or selling yourself? Like these types of posts really work well. Yeah, that's a good question. I think now more than ever, I feel like I'm more of a production company. I'm not really advising on the strategy, but my background is also in um, the agency world where I was tracking all the metrics on social media and managing different clients' social media accounts. So I'm definitely aware of and always on top of the trends of what's performing well and what, how to optimize each asset for each platform. And so I definitely advise my clients if they need it, but a lot of times I'm working with either an agency or a marketing team where they're kind of saying, we saw that our stop motion video performed super well. Here's an example. We want something similar to this. And they're usually pretty good at knowing what works best for their brand. Gotcha. So what are, what are some of the coolest things that you've worked on? Cause my, one of my favorites is when you are like at a desk and then it spins around and you're suddenly on a beach and I could, I saw the behind the scenes you did and I couldn't believe you actually did that all on a beach with like a screen behind you. <laughs> I know, honestly. So that project was for Expedia and it was really a challenge. I don't know why I decided to pitch an idea that I wasn't exactly sure, like if it would work but I was feeling really bold. So I was like, let's just try this. Um, but so yeah, the concept was I'm at my desk typing away working and then I spin in my office chair and the seamless paper behind me rolls up and the desk slides off and everything gets removed. And suddenly you can tell that I'm on the beach. So I knew I would need help with like the manual labor of like lugging the desk and, bringing everything from my office to the beach, which was absolutely nuts. And then the day of we get to the beach and I'm like, okay, this is the exact location that I want. And then my husband, who's like very much into safety and the ocean and tides was like, this is not gonna work because in 30 minutes, the tide will be like coming over your tripod. And so then I was like, uh oh, this was a crazy idea. Why did I even pitch this? Who like, <laughs> who thought this was a good idea? Um, but we ended up like just moving back onto the beach and filming like kind of at a different angle, which I was like, okay, this will be a test shoot. And then we'll come back later when the tide is lower. But that test shoot ended up being what we actually used. And it actually really worked after a couple fails, like the wind blowing the seamless paper down. And yeah, if if you're listening and you haven't seen it, it's on my Instagram. And if you swipe, I have the epic fails on camera. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I'm, oh, so let's, let's talk about how you got into this in the first place, because uh, you have quite an interesting story of ups and downs of trying to figure out where to go. So you started off in photography um, so I don't know where you want to start the story, but, uh, I'll just hand over the mic to you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Um, well, yeah, I would say I started my passion for photography and stop motion were kind of blossoming at the same time, but separate from one another. So 
at my job at a creative agency, I was making stop motions on my phone for the company's Instagram account and for fun and my free time. And then on the side, I was really diving into photography, but more portraits, events, couples, weddings, that kind of thing. And it wasn't until one day at work, I had my camera with me and I decided, oh, I could try making a stop motion with my camera instead of my phone. And so I set it up. I think I shot, it was a video of McDonald's French fries. <laughs> and um, from that point forward, I realized I had so much more control if I used my camera and I was able to make my videos look higher quality. So I started doing stop motion with my camera, which made it more of a professional looking thing. I mean, now I look back and I don't think they looked professional at all, but at the time I felt that way and I still was doing my normal photography work, but eventually, and after I left that job, most of the inquiries I was getting were for stop motion. So that switch kind of naturally happened, even though I pushed back a lot. Like I never wanted to take my portrait work off my website or um, not market myself as someone who shoots lifestyle photos and weddings and stop motion. Um, but eventually it just became stop motion job after stop motion job. And I finally gave in. I was like, okay, this is my thing. This is what I do. So where did these, where did these stop motion jobs come from? Uh, like, were they still the agency hiring you to do these? Like, I'm, no. I want to know how you got so much demand for stop motion. <laughs> well, okay. So my first job, I guess it all started because at this full-time job on the side, I was making stop motions for fun and I was posting them on Instagram. So people in my community at the time, I didn't have a big presence on Instagram. It was just friends and family, but people were seeing that I did stop motion. So my first inquiry came from a friend who I'd gone to college with, who worked at an agency doing media buying. And her client was Papa John's pizza. And she was like, what would you charge for a stop motion? And I was like, oh no, no, I don't do this for work. Like, I, or I don't charge, I don't know what. And um, so, but I ended up doing that job and it kind of fell right as I left LA. So I left LA and I moved up to the Bay area and so I was freelancing just to like pay rent. And I was also applying to full-time jobs, but I was not getting any luck. I was getting rejected. I wasn't even getting interviews. So I just kept freelancing and it was random connections like that in the beginning. Like that one was a really lucky one because it actually was a recognizable brand that I knew, but most of them were just small companies that you've never heard of that were just through friends or family or word of mouth and very, very low pay. I mean, even that Papa John's one was like no budget. So it was all very small and I never saw it as a feasible career even at that point. But eventually more and more, I just started building this portfolio of work that was with brands. And I was also pitching myself a lot eventually because after I wasn't getting any luck finding a full-time job, I decided to just try full-time freelance and just really put everything I had into it and see if it would work. So at that point I was like, okay, I got to pitch myself. I got to reach out to brands and really just started from there. And then organically as my Instagram grew, I eventually started getting brands reaching out to me without me pitching to them and the rest is history. So you went through a period where nobody was hiring you and you were getting gigs, but they were like very low pay. But then you said organically over time, they kept coming in. So I guess like I'm trying to think for myself, if I was like trying my hardest to get a full time job and just like getting by on these small gigs, I would probably feel very discouraged about what's going on. And like, how, how did you decide to uh 
you know, you said you, you freelance was building up, but how do you decide like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to put myself all into this and that's my future path for now. Like, was it, was it the fact that people weren't hiring you or was there something else that was, uh, so <laughs> it was a mix of a couple things. One thing was I realized that it was something I really loved to do. So right before I left LA, maybe like six months before actually, towards the end of my time there, I had all my camera gear stolen out of my car. And at that moment, everything was just for fun that I was shooting. But as soon as it got taken away and I had like none of my tools, I was so low and felt like, I don't know, I just felt really lost and unhappy. And at that point I realized, well, first I was like, I'm never taking another photo again. I was so upset and angry and thought it's fine. I'll just never buy another camera. But then slowly I started renting gear and taking on more jobs to pay it back. And it really made me realize, okay, clearly I love photography so much and it's something I should pursue. I never really was like, oh, I should make it my full-time job at that point. But I was like, I need to pursue this as a freelance job on the side. It brings me a lot of joy. And so then once I moved to the Bay Area and I was getting rejected from these jobs, it kind of made sense that it was like, it's the one thing that's still going, even though it's slow. And even though I didn't have confidence that it could be a full-time job, I was still like finding joy in it. And that was the most important thing. And that's why I kept doing it. And that is when, um, right. I guess it was like July I had, or it was late June, July is when I decided to go full-time freelance late June. I was still applying to jobs. I was still like had this dream of working for a big tech company in San Francisco. And I saw that Doritos put out this challenge and they put out a challenge for literally come up with a creative idea for our marketing campaign in 2018. And I don't know what in me decided that like that was something I should enter probably that I had a lot of free time. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to enter this, but I really was positive. It wasn't going to go anywhere. I just had happened to have an idea for what their creative campaign should be. And I don't know if I'm allowed to actually like talk about what it was, but I, it never, it never came to <laughs> fruition. So I think I am. Um, but basically I had this idea that their create and the, the prompts was come up with any creative idea that like we can tie in a social campaign, a product in stores, like for the Super Bowl commercial, like what should our big theme be? It was really open-ended. And my idea was called eat my dust. And it was all about the Doritos dust that is at the bottom of the bag. When you finish a bag of Doritos and I had had conversations with friends about like, is it gross to lick your fingers after you're done eating the bag of chips or do you wash your hands? And I came up with the idea that the dust at the bottom of the bag is so good that they should sell it as seasoning that you like shake on popcorn or um, on top of like mac and cheese or whatever it may be. So I researched a little cause I was like, there's no way I'm the first person to have come up with this idea. And I saw on Twitter, a lot of people actually like 12 people in the span of 10 years, maybe had tweeted <laughs> at Doritos saying you should sell the dust in a salt shaker or at Doritos. The fact that you don't sell your dust means you hate money. Like, and I was like, okay, so this is a good idea. And I'm going to use these people's tweets in my pitch to say like, look, people want this and you can use that and then say like, we're giving everyone what they want. And then I had this whole idea that you tie it into a campaign on social media called eat my dust. And you have everyone doing these bold feats. And then at the end, they like lick their fingers um, from the Doritos bag and say, eat my dust and it would be a social campaign. So I submitted this idea, long story short, 
I won first place. And I found that out like right after I decided to go full-time freelance. So I had taken this jump. I was like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to invest money. If I, I had like a few thousand dollars in my savings and I was like, okay, I have like a few months and like, we'll see if I can make anything work. If not, I'll just like keep applying to jobs and get something. And then literally like three days later, I get the email from Doritos. You won first place. You win $10,000. Congratulations. And that really, I know it wasn't like, it was literally just a creative idea that I submitted in a Word doc, but that win told me you are creative and this big company thinks so and is noticing you. And that really pushed me forward. I was like, oh, like I can do this. I can be a freelance creative and whatever it is, whether I'm giving companies ideas or making videos or whatever, I have something valuable to offer. And that really was like the start of believing in myself, which then was the start of finally seeing some consistent success. Nice. And also congratulations on the Eat My Dust win. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But the sad thing is they never ended up releasing the product or doing the campaign. And I still think they should create it. But also at the time I thought $10,000 was like, I could just retire. And my parents were like, Doritos is going to make billions of dollars off of this. (laughs) Like they just got so lucky, but I guess they didn't. (laughs) Well, who knows? Maybe one day they'll come up with that. I may or may not already use that dust of the Doritos bag for for like putting on top of omelets and stuff sometimes. No way. We will see (laughs) if Doritos is listening to this. Um, Well, I think think that's incredible. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's incredible. And and it's also, I love that it gave you that, that spark that, I mean, you were already on that path and it just seems like, you know, it's confirmation that you're on the right way. Do you think you would have, done the things you did afterwards if you hadn't have got this win like were you too much on the edge of needing a job and seeing where you were in life yeah I think so I think confidence is so much of it when you're pursuing your own art and creativity it's so personal and so as much as I would like to think yeah like everything would have worked out I know that I was not in a great place. Like I was struggling with anxiety and I had low self-confidence and winning that just gave me, like it changed my mindset. And I'm a big believer that like the energy you put out and the mindset you have about things can really impact what happens for you. And so I think having that positive boost really I can attribute like a lot too. I mean, I hope that I would have still found my way, but it really helped. Do you, well, maybe let's talk about that now. Do you, where do you find the confidence now? Are you still living off of that initial boost or now? I I mean, I'm going to make a projection and say, every time you get a client, that's a confidence, confidence boost. But like, where do you, where do you get that source from now? Because you've been doing this for years. Yeah, that's, That's true. And the sad thing is, I think the confidence, it comes and then it goes. So like, as soon as something great happens, you feel amazing, but then it fades and you're looking for that next like positive affirmation or someone to tell you you're doing a good job because when you don't work at a company anymore where you have a manager and a boss and they're giving you reviews, who is there to tell you, great job. You're such a valuable asset here. Like, sometimes your clients, but not even like surprisingly, I feel like feedback will be, we love the video, but it's not like, it's not the same that you get from being on a team with people. And so I think now that is why one of the things I knew I wanted was to build a team, but also like a community around me. I didn't have any friends that did stop motion. I didn't know anybody who did stop motion. And I basically had no community at work. And so since then, I think I've worked really hard to build that because 
I recognize that it's something that brings me a lot of happiness and drive and motivation. So I started reaching out to other stop motion artists and I applied to the Sony Alpha female program. That was like a huge point in my career, but still now like everything that I do on Instagram in an effort to connect with other people in the community, isn't just to like reach out and help other people, but also because I need that in order to feel like I'm part of a team. Yeah, totally. It's so, as you were saying that, I was just thinking about my past career and how easy it is and I almost feel wired to just, you know, you you do what's expected of you, you get the feedback and, and it's like easy to stay in that system. And since I've, you know, quit my job and gone back to school and working on other projects too, I feel that too. Where it's like, I don't have any of the feedback loop anymore from like a manager being like, here's what you need to work on. I'm just in my head constantly. And sometimes it's tough because I think I'm doing a great job. And then I'll look back and be like, I wasn't doing a good job. And then it's like, well, how do I know I'm even doing a good job now? And I don't feel confident about all these things. And there's all these like crazy intrusive thoughts all the time. <laughs> and yes. it's, it's tough and it's kind of lonely. So how, I mean, I, I really like what you said about building a community around you and stuff like that. But overall, kind of how, how have you dealt with these things? Yeah, so I definitely experience that and still do that like when you're alone you know especially now with covid we've kind of experienced that again where i've been more isolated and i really get in my own head so i think it's really normal and first of all recognizing that but also like in the past few years i've started going to weekly therapy now it's over the phone because social distancing but having like a dedicated um, time to check in with yourself and your mental health and just like be mindful and aware I think is a big part of it because for a while I would just think what's wrong with me or why don't I feel motivated today or like maybe I should just go do something else and just wondering all these things in my mind without actually getting them out and talking to somebody who's not biased and who can offer advice is really helpful. And I also a year ago invested in a business coach and that has been a huge change for me because I now kind of have a boss, like she's my boss and she holds me accountable and says, you need to, you know, like you need to, show up on Instagram and educate today, like about five things for this, or she'll give me assignments like a boss would. Mm. And she knows that it's all based on my bigger picture and vision. So anything she tells me to do is really me telling myself to do with her reinforcing it and giving it to me in a way that feels really inspiring. Yeah. And so that has been super helpful. And I know it can be, like scary to hire a business coach. It feels like a big expense, but I think it's similar to like hiring a personal trainer. You wouldn't wait until you're in shape to hire a trainer. You would do it and then you would get in shape. So same thing with the business coach. I think at first it felt like a huge investment, but now it's brought me so much success that I can see how I should have done it much earlier. That's really, that's really interesting to me because my next question was, how do you come up with and stick to goals for yourself as a, as a, I guess, a business, but first of all, how did you find your business coach? That seems like a, like businesscoachesrs.com or something. <laughs> like it seems kind of a difficult task. Yeah. She actually found me. Um, and she was coaching one of my friends who is in New York and she I had known that like she had a business coach, but I didn't know much about it. And then um, her coach reached out to me just saying like, would love to chat if you have any time and hear about your business. And as soon as we chatted immediately, I was like feeling really drawn to her. And like, she was, she just understood my business and had such great insights. So after that, like intro call, I was like, okay, let's do it. And I think we started with a six month contract and then signed on for another six months. And now I'll definitely be continuing with her too. 
nice i hope she's listening because we're boosting her up um yeah her name's morning marjolaine on instagram she also is not your typical business coach she's a business coach for creatives uh, so it's not like a very corporate type of business coaching it's very um all about like creativity and tuning into your inner self and doing like figuring out what your vision is. And so it's been a lot of like mind work too, which has been really cool. So, so uh, you figure out what your vision for the business is overall. And then she creates goals for you to work towards and then kind of keeps you accountable to that. Yeah. She'll basically like the first exercise she had me do, which I recommend anybody do is write down where you envision your life in five years and then in 10 years and tell it like a story. So I wake up in the morning, I'm, I put my feet onto the hardwood floor. I walk into the kitchen, my husband's making breakfast, like whatever it is, it's like kind of like a daydream. And then it's like, where do you go to work? Do you go into a studio? Do you have a team? Do you go do something? Do you like go to the beach for the day? Like what, what do you envision your life? And that was the first time I had really like tangibly written down dreams like that. And I already, since I started with her am living so much more in my like five-year dream than I was before, which I think is the whole point. You end up like manifesting that, but it was a really cool exercise because I came in saying, well, I don't really know where I see my business or my life going. So how do I figure that out? Yeah, I love that. And that's, that's something that I did that made me switch up my career path because I was kind of on autopilot. And I realized when I was doing that exercise that my career was just going to direct my life. And I wasn't really happy with that when I explored what it would look like in five, 10 years. And when I started thinking about what I actually wanted to do, I realized that none of my day job was leading in that direction at all. So I had to, I took like a hard 180 and, and quit <laughs> and started That's going to amazing. school. That's um, amazing. So I, I definitely, I, I love that. Um, and maybe, maybe I need to do this again because I'm feeling a little bit like, you know, I'm mid through school and third year and, and trying to figure out what I'm going to do afterwards. And it's kind of foggy because I didn't, my five-year plan three years ago is to just be done in school and now I'm approaching that. I don't have that that uh, plan coming up. So that's- something. Yeah, you need your tenure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I still wanna talk a little bit more about your business. Uh, sorry, first of all, thank you for sharing all that. Um, yeah, of course. So how do you, okay, so you know, you, you make these 10 to 15 second stop motions and they're beautiful, but I know an insane amount of work goes behind that. So I'm wondering if you can just go through your process of like, how do you get a new client or convince a new client to work with you? And then, you know, how do you come up with the creative briefs that they sign off on and then payment and like all those, all those like details that are so hard to find, but they're so crucial to getting anything done. Yeah, that is the whole business side of things. And I think it's something that kind of came naturally to me because I worked at an agency and I was working in marketing. So I sort of understood client management, which was really lucky um, because I think that is one of the things that has helped my business be successful is just knowing how to operate a business. But that being said, I didn't go to business school. I know nothing about like, um, I don't know, like bookkeeping and finance things that I've had to learn along the way and contracts and all the legal stuff. And that was all very new to me. So I guess now I have a great system where like I have a CPA and an accountant and they deal with um, finances in that sense. And then I have, um, I hire someone part-time who helps with like invoicing and estimates and setting up calls with clients. But in the beginning I did everything all by myself. So I was like doing everything from pitching the client to then making the concept deck, doing the prop shopping, creating the props, doing the pre-production call, shooting, editing, delivering the video, and then like sending an invoice, making sure I got paid, 
Oh, and also sending a contract, although in the very beginning, I definitely didn't do that. So that wasn't part of my process, which is not good. Um, but yeah, even now, like explaining it, I forget that piece of the puzzle. That's scary. So I think it's important to have a system down and a workflow. I just recently um, started with a service that will handle my inquiries. So anytime I get an inquiry, someone has to fill out a form and I have to get that information before I get a call set up with them. And so that way I'm not just receiving emails and replying back and trying to ask questions and get information from people. Cause that's a lot of work, but rather I'm automating parts of my business. And I think building systems like that has been something I'm working on and that's really helpful, but I don't know if that really answered your full question. I mean, yeah, well, it answered a lot of it. That's super smart, especially, the, you know, cause like client relationships, you know, how uh, tedious and back and forth that can be. So I think things like setting up a automated form are amazing. Um, how do you, you mentioned you were doing absolutely everything. So you're like, you're basically running a whole company, every aspect of it by yourself. How do you figure out your own worth? Because, you know, how I would think things would naturally happen is, is at the beginning, you are largely, largely undercharged because you just want the clients. And then slowly over time, you, you understand the value of what you're doing and what, what you're wanting and stuff like that. Like, can you tell, talk me through that progression as well? I'm just thinking, cause like, you know, if somebody's listening and they want to get into social media things or even myself, <laughs> what would you, what would you say to that person and, and how they can like get started up pretty quickly and also know their value for what they're creating? Yeah, it is tricky in the beginning because like you said, you really want to get jobs, whether it's, to pay your rent or also just to have jobs under your belt and like a portfolio or a client list. So I remember in the beginning charging money, but also being like, I would do this for free because I want the job so badly. Whereas now I'm at a place where like, there are very few jobs that I could imagine saying that for. And that's because my time is now much more valuable because I have more demand for my time. So I think as you grow and you go through that journey, so does the way you price. In the beginning, I was doing things for trade. I tried to never do anything for free because that just felt inherently wrong or it made me feel not good. Yeah. But for a trade, sure. Like I remember looking back at old emails, the first like month I was in business, I would even pitch a price and be like, okay, I'll do this video for $500 or I actually love the product. So if you want to just do a trade, we can do that. And now I'm looking back, I'm like, why did I pitch the trade? <laughs> like when the product would cost me like probably $50, but so I think in the beginning, yeah, you're so eager to get the work and that's okay. I think people always say never do anything for free, but when you are just starting, um, sometimes it's not for free, but it's for a portfolio piece or a client to add to your list. And that is value for you in your business. So that's important to know. And then as I went through the journey of my business, I struggled a lot with pricing in the beginning. I would literally just like make up numbers or try and ask the client what their budget was, try and figure out what other people were charging, but there was no information out there. I had no idea what to charge. And every time I would have to price a job, I would like panic and be like, shoot, I don't know. What should I do for this one? What are they willing to pay? What, how many hours is it going to take me? I don't even know. Like I hadn't been working enough to really understand even how to estimate my time. So each job was really random. Sometimes at one point I had a rate sheet where I had like different level videos and I would say, okay, if you want a level one video, it'll cost this much. If you want level two, this much, but I would like change the rates all the time. Cause I wasn't confident in them. I didn't know what the right way to charge was. And then a couple of years ago, I finally built a system that works really well for me where now when I get an inquiry, I basically can 
work within my system, which works on an hourly rate. So I'm basically estimating my time for the entire project, including like every step. So even that initial client call and prop shopping and driving to the studio or whatever. And then I can spit out an estimate and tell them exactly what it would cost. And the thing is that only works when the client knows exactly what they want. So, you know, I can estimate the amount of time it'll take if they know the concept and we know what it'll look like. But a lot of times a client will say, what, what do you, what's a ballpark or what, you know, what range would a video fall within? We don't even know what we want. We want you to help us brainstorm ideas. And that to me, if that is the situation, I need them to provide a budget or like parameters that they have. Otherwise I can't spend time coming up with concepts when I don't know whether the concepts should be like simple or really complex. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been like a major stress point that I think I've overcome. And so now I'm working on something that I'm going to launch soon. That's going to help other people figure out how to do all this pricing and working with brands. And so it's going to be super helpful, but that is the gist of it. I also have right now, um, if you go to colletteperry.com slash price, I have like a five day um, email sequence that has a bunch of pricing tips and even a video mini training that I recorded that basically gives a template of how you can reply to a client if they ask, what do you charge without knowing the concept? So I think that'll be super helpful for people, but I know that it's a really like kind of daunting world when it comes to being an artist and knowing what to charge for your own art. Oh yeah. I'm on your page right now. I love the your face. You have this like <laughs> such a lit up expression. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> no, I agree. It's like being an artist is so weird. It's like there's this huge talent hurdle you have to overcome just to get taken seriously. And then that takes so much time and effort. You have no idea what to charge by the time you get over that hurdle because you don't spend any time and you don't make any money getting there. So then suddenly you are getting requests and you're like, I don't know, 10 bucks. <laughs> you, have, you have no reference point. So no, this is, yeah. I think this is super helpful. Um, did you want to talk about, did you want to talk more about this course thing you're offering now? Or was that the gist of it? Well, I haven't announced it yet, so it, I can't really say much more, although I do have a wait list already for people who want to be the first to sign up, and that's at colletteperry.com slash waitlist. And it, I don't know when this podcast will go live. I wonder, it might be coming out very soon after you're hearing this, or it might be already out, but regardless, at that link, you'll get all the information you need, and just overall, it's a, it's a big, um, it's a lot of information. I basically put everything that I've learned about working with brands and whether that's like pitching or pricing or concepting, whatever it may be running a business and having a lucrative career from your own creativity and your art, it is going to be tailored towards stop motion artists, but also applicable to other types of artists too. And I think it's really going to help people build their career and be able to make it a full-time thing because for me, it was such an unknown, but now I'm so confident that there's like a market for this and that so many people can do it. So that's really exciting. Oh yeah. Now more than ever, it sounds super valuable. And so let me ask you this, you know, you're, you're doing something creative with your career and you're giving back to the community and you're building a community around yourself. What is your ultimate vision or goal or career? dream that you have? Yeah. So I think I've started to realize that I love creating stop motions for brands. And what I love even more is teaching other people how to do it too. And so I think my overall vision for my business would be to have a mix of that, but definitely bring in more of that education piece and help other people pursue their creativity 
and figure out how to make a career out of this because I never saw it as an option or a path. And I really feel like I got lucky falling into it. Even if getting lucky means like getting rejected from jobs. I think that was kind of lucky because getting your gear kind stolen, of, et cetera. <laughs> yeah. And so I really want other people to be able to intentionally say, I'm going to build a career in stop motion. And that's something I never did, but I wish I had seen it as an option. I probably would have started it earlier. I maybe would have gotten to do more educational opportunities around that. And so that's something I really feel like is a calling for me. Like any person I meet who is creative and like uses their creativity only on the side of their full-time job, I feel so passionate about showing it to them as an option to pursue full-time now more than ever. And so I would hope to really steer my career in the direction of doing more of that. I love how excited you are just talking about that. I think that's, that's really cool. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Um, as, As we're kind of wrapping up, is there anything else that we didn't hit on that you think would be interesting to share? I think I'm just, so excited to be on this podcast and be a part of your community because the stop motion community is so awesome. Like I've always felt like stop motion is the perfect intersection of creativity and tech. Like it's creative, but it's also super geeky and technical. And so the people that are interested in it are just like my kind of people. I just think that it's such a cool community. And so I'm just so happy to be on here and hopefully connect to more people who are listening and learn more about different worlds. I mean, your podcast is amazing because you interview so many people with different types of jobs within this industry. I know mine is probably not the norm for what you're interviewing. And so it's really fun to learn more about like films and kind of those big leagues and then also more the digital and social media world. It's all the same passion, but people pursue it in different ways, which is so much fun. I, well, thank you so much. <laughs> I feel like I should write that up as a little about this podcast blur because that was great. Well, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, it's It's been a, certainly an interesting and wonderful journey for me to host this podcast. I get to talk to so many amazing people like yourself which helped give me confidence to continue what I'm doing because it was such a, I was so unconfident about what I was doing when I started out. It was such a, uh, I needed to talk to people like you and talking to people like you really helped me think that I can do this too. And I learned so much about where you came from and what helped you. And, and that really helps me too. So yeah, thank you so much. I'm really, I'm really happy you came on. Oh, I'm so honored to be on. It was so much fun. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And if you're listening and you'd like to follow Coco's work or get in, with, or get in touch with her, you can do so by checking out her Instagram, which is instagram.com slash Colette Perry. And I'll also include the waitlist uh, link as well to your, to your course, because that'd be really cool. So thanks so much for listening. That's all for now. Okay, bye. Bye.